damn intro music never gets old, man. Welcome to another episode of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. For me and my co-host, Aiden Sarah, I'm James Parisi. And uh, we're we're kind of slapping coming into this one. Episode 11. Episode 11, the kids are feeling good. I, uh, I've had a bit of a day, but, uh, you know, nice little drive home, little McDonald's order, uh, come back, pet my cat, just uh, coming in feeling good. I'm ready to go. How you doing, man? Dude, it's never been McDonald's. Never. It's Don's, like, it's, I've heard McD's, but no, not McDonald's. I got to stop you there. I don't take issue with much of what you hey, say. Hey, what about but... Donnie's? Because I use Donnie's often. I don't use McDonald's, but I'll use Donnie's often. Like, if you're using it ironically, like, anything, anything flies if you're trying to just make it a joke. But if you're unironically asking me, like, hey, do you want to go get McDonald's? I, like, I don't know. I'm saying no, just because you called it that. Okay, well, what about, okay, situationally, me and my friends sitting in a basement as teenagers, laughing about random stuff, watching Star Wars, and we're yelling, Doonies, Doonies, and we all corral into a vehicle and go through the Donnie's drive-thru. Are you sober? Yes. Yeah? Uh, I don't know. That's, uh, I'd still, you know... I'd still feel a little bit awkward. See, because like you're I wasn't sober you're saying, every time, but well, you're saying like, oh, me and my friends as teenagers. And for I know for you, that's like a, oh, way back in the days. And for <laughs> me, it's like I haven't been a teenager for all of like 28 days or something. So it's <laughs> yeah, I know I know in your head it's like, oh, when we were teenagers, not some you know, time when you were younger, but to me Bro, it's only been five years. Don't make me feel <laughs> old. Yeah, no, you are old. I'm, but the older I get, the more I'll go into my Clooney years, my Silver Fox era. I'm gonna, I'm gonna age gracefully like a fine wine. It's a good thing that uh, this is an audio podcast and nobody can see you as you say Clooney years, because <laughs> the 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 contrast between the words and the picture would have been uh, would have made would have made for would have made for some easy jokes in the comments. I think camera quality, bro. Um, trust me, trust me. <laughs> Uh well what's new with you man what's been going on uh it, my team's my team's on the road this month so it's it's been you know catching up on stuff in the office is always fun but you know I I live on the games so I'm I'm looking forward to uh February fourth that's the next home game we got and I'm just you know eagerly waiting for it to come around nice nice we love to hear it we love to hear it yeah that team is a significant portion of your life the you you might as well get a Black Falls Bulldogs logo tattooed like straight across your chest like you're Superman. I could be into that. Yeah, well, it's that, and uh, that that's kind of what happens when you move for 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 two things, and one of them's a job, right? That job becomes a pretty big, pretty big part of of day to day. Me and Caitlin's relationship turned three as well this week, which is a, a fun fun monument. I've never hit that that number. You're doing better than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. On, uh, well, on Monday. So no, that well, was uh that was big. Preemptive congratulations or no post uh, after post congratulations. It's not posthumous because you're not belated. There. Belated. Okay. Yeah. Belated. Yeah. If, if you guys broke up, it would be posthumous. Yes. Yes. That. I, I think I think that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, before we dive into some hockey. Uh, I, I guess what the only thing new for me really is, uh, yeah, I've just been working lots, writing lots of stories, hanging out, hanging out with my cats. Oh, my <laughs> cats are just great lately. Those are such cheery little dudes. Like Mina and Marvin are, that's, 
that that's my family bro like i i, I love those cats uh yeah just trying to plan out my summer trying to plan out my my like whistler guys trips concert trips stuff like that you know spending all of my money before i make it <laughs> um but yeah uh before we dive into hockey though i need to talk about something really serious i mentioned mentioned earlier that i got a donnie's order and i'm gonna say it again donnie's and uh i got a mcdonald's waffle fries I have a major bone to pick with this fast food franchise because roughly three years ago, they pulled up with garlic parm waffle fries and those things were insane. I got them like every other day for the couple months that they were around. They were phenomenal. And this, this half season chunk of waffly looking potato, this is terrible. If it weren't for the, the jalapeno lime aioli that I got from Costco, then they would have been borderline not edible. My cat wasn't even impressed. And she tries to eat anything I have. I'm I'm hurt, man. What do you think? You had them. I know you had them. Yeah, I mean, they were probably like a 3 out of 10. But you know, if I'm trying something at like a fast food place, you know, like, I don't know. I, I may, I may, I'm a kind of, I, I expect to get what I pay for, right? Like if I'm going, if I'm going out and I'm spending, you know, $30 on a meal for myself and it sucks. I'm pissed. Right. But if I'm going out and I'm spending $3 on a medium waffle fries and it sucks, it's like, okay, spend three bucks on it, whatever. Okay. Fair. Uh, that just brings up one more thing. Another fast food topic before we dive into hockey. Um, <laughs> last, last, I don't know, uh, spring, I think it was spring 2022. Um, <laughs> I had to try something that was limited edition on the A&W menu because there's an A&W right next to my SkyTrain. It was called the best burger ever burger. And, uh, dude, this burger was messed up. Someone threw a bunch of ideas in a blender and came out with this. It was a prime rib patty, prime rib, quote unquote, from A&W. I don't know what that means. It tasted, the patty tasted like chalky. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. And then it had a jalapeno popper in the middle, like a big jalapeno popper. And then a couple kinds of cheese and a bunch of sauce and some pickles. It's it's when it's when you see those things advertised and created that, you know, you have to it starts to bring up the question of like how many layers of people does something like this have to get approved by, right? Like how many people have to be like, yep, just check it off and pass it along before it actually gets made? Because I feel like at some point that had to be stopped and was like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> like, are they not in the boardroom going, yeah, the best burger ever burger. This is it. People are going to love this. Well, <laughs> sometimes I see like food products going out. And I'm like, you know, that might have been a good idea when you were uh, maybe you're indulging in, in something and you have the munchies. But, you know, I feel like you wake up sober and you can't still possibly think that was a good idea. No, you feel the gut bro the gut bomb just brewing, causing you pain. It's like you have a stomach ulcer, but you don't. It's just there. It's a it's a temporary disease you have for the next couple hours. And hopefully you're relieved <laughs> of that disease soon. Did you try it? Oh, I tried the best burger ever, burger. Oh, yeah? So, like, out of 10? You're going to be surprised. Five. Yeah. I gave it a five. It was yeah, no. I'll give well, it that. 
Well, you know what? A&W overall, as far as fast food places, food quality goes, like I'm generally eight, you know, maybe four times out of five. I'm not disappointed. A&W. It's pretty solid. Totally fair. Well, with that, with that 10 minutes straight of fast food talk, um, yeah, uh, literally the first a munchies podcast. Yeah. Eight, eight and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, after that, I think we should dive into some NHL, uh, cause that's what people come here to listen to. I mean, maybe they come here to listen to the fast food stuff. Uh, I don't know if you've been advertising it as such. A great Canadian, <laughs> the great, great Canadian, Canadian podcast, podcast to listen to when you're hungry. Yeah. The great Canadian meatball podcast. Interesting idea. Mm-hmm. let's back pocket that let's put a pin in that <laughs> it's already being copyrighted don't you yeah. worry well first on our docket we want to talk about some bad news in hockey something you never really want to see max pacioretty is down again you want to break that down and i'll give you some thoughts on it yeah well i mean carolina kind of knew he was gonna come back i think January was actually early for his initial like return when they got him. It was kind of like, a, Oh, he's going to be back after the trade deadline. Like you're basically getting this guy for the playoffs and they get him. And I actually think for Carolina specifically, if they, if he was going to be done for the year, it's better that they obviously knew before the deadlines, so they could have a contingency plan in place, get a trade going for a, a forward, somebody like a, you know, O'Reilly Horvat Meyer, somebody on the market. Um, but for patch it's, it's really disappointing, right? Like, <laughs> somebody who is as good as he is to get traded, you know, get traded in one of those trades where you're the team trading you is giving the team receiving you something so that they'll take you right. That, that, that sucks. And Patrick, even last year injury season, he was injured throughout the season, still managed to play 39 games at 37 points, right? Very respectable numbers. And honestly, he was one of the reasons that I had the Carolina Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup final in my preseason predictions. Like he he's somebody that, you know, if he steps into the playoffs, he can be a first line left winger. And and obviously, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a Conn Smythe guy, but as good as that team was, I kind of saw him being one of the contributing factors to them going over the top. And so for him to come back from a long injury, play five games and go down again, that sucks. And, you know, you got to you got to feel for him in that situation. Well, you mentioned that he'd be that dynamite winger to add to your top six that that's especially needed right now because they've had a pretty slow streaky season from Tavo Teravainen who's usually a regular contributor on that offense so that that was something they really needed um yeah he's never never a goal scorer first but regardless of that four goals in 36 games on, on Teravainen's part doesn't look great and you know I I you know I don't um we can we can talk about him at length maybe another time but um, the expensive offer sheet, the Asperi Kokaniemi is also not having an offensive season the way they thought. Like Kokaniemi, he's 22 now. He's drafted in 2018. Like it's 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 time if he's gonna be if he's gonna be that guy, he's got to be that guy soon. And he continues to kind of not be, you know, like and for the Hurricanes, it's 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 really Natchez, isn't it? That's that's saving them because even somebody oh, like oh yeah like. Seth Jarvis, who after his rookie year, you maybe had banking banking on him taking a huge step forward. He hasn't taken that step forward. Sebastian Ajo is as steady as steady gets, 40 points in 39 games. But with scoring up this season, if you told me there was going to be whatever, over 10 or, or wherever we're at now, 10 to 15, 100-point scores in the NHL this season, I would be shocked if you told me Sebastian Ajo wasn't going to be one of them, and he's well off that pace, right? So 
it's really the emergence of Natchez that's saving that Hurricanes team offensively. Um, and you maybe thought the return of Pacioretty was going to contribute to that as well, and it sucks for them that it's uh, it's kind of screeched to the halt so soon. I guess one little note on Kakanyemi for me before we move on. Um, I have a really hard time being mad at the guy because he just looks like such a nice dude. Yeah, no, totally. You know, he looks like the kind of guy that you're sitting next to in a car ride, and he's just like laughing and telling stories and messing with people and and just just shooting it around. He just seems like a fun loving guy. So you know, like maybe he never turns to that offensive threat um, that his contract warrants him being. Um, or even just a, a really good two-way center, which his contract also pays him to do for a lot of years. Um, but, you know, he could just be a really good locker room guy, just a really good expensive locker room guy. Yeah, he definitely kind of always seems to be happy wherever he's at, which good for him. But yeah, seven goals and 16 points on the year is definitely a little bit of an underwhelming number for making almost 5 million bucks and having been offer sheeted at over six. Right. But yeah. So Carolina, I, you know, the team teams always kind of been built around how strong their defense is. So maybe some of the offensive players not clicking isn't gonna, isn't really gonna be a huge hindrance on them, but I, I'd be shocked if they don't go out and take a swing and uh, on a forward at the deadline. Canes are going to be dangerous at the deadline. It's a fact. Yeah. Especially Nino Niederreiter having moved on in the summer can't be understated either. He was a huge contributor to that team and, you know, offense, defense, uh, special teams as well. Um, uh, <laughs> I have to bring this up cause I haven't brought this up ever to you or on this podcast. And which is crazy because I've brought up most of my funny little hockey isms to you at some point or another, usually at length, but, um, uh, back in NHL 13 or 14, <laughs> I, um, me and my friends would play all the time and I would play as the Canes and they were not great. Like it was a Cam Ward, Eric Stahl show. And I was scoring on people with Chris Terry. Um, <laughs> Chris Terry is not dynamic, but I was having fun with him. Um, <laughs> every time I scored, I had this cheer that I made up. It's quick, short and sweet. One, two, three, Caniac TV. Please don't ever clip that. It's so corny and terrible, but I loved it. I how absolutely... old how, how how old were you? Uh NHL 13 and 14. I was 14, 15. Okay, so I guess just like young enough that you shouldn't be embarrassed by it now, right? Like Oh, I did way more embarrassing things at that age. Yeah, yeah. Like you're 16, 17. That's when you start, you know. <laughs> that's when it starts being things you can maybe still be embarrassed about but you can you can you can dismiss the behavior of a 14 year old and just be like oh yeah whatever but no if if i heard you say that now i would have I'd, I'd have secondhand embarrassment for you for sure understandable and uh on that note we'll move on uh we'll talk about johnny goodrow johnny hockey in his return to calgary um i thought that video of Blue Jackets players booing him when he touched the puck at their morning skate or practice or whatever. I thought that was hilarious. They're quote unquote getting him ready for the booze. Like that was that was awesome. That's great hockey content. I like I do like that level of self-awareness on everybody's part that like, you know, it's gonna happen. Um, I'm I'm torn in a way because like I I understand why you're you're booing a player that, you know, obviously turned down what was reported to be more money to stay with your team to go elsewhere 
Um, at the same time, his service to the Calgary Flames reported, also, not confirmed. Yeah, and his service to the Calgary Flames also can't be understated. So there's there there's two sides to the coin for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I do think it was an inevitability that he endured that on his return. Um, didn't have a great game and they lost in overtime. So I guess the Calgary Flames fans had the last laugh. I did make a note. I made a comment on a couple of posts. Um, he had two power play assists. He did. He did miss the penalty shot. And overall I, I watched I two periods of that game. I think wasn't really a factor five on five, which not, not the first time I've watched a game where that's the case with Johnny Gaudreau. That's for sure. Um, are you a Johnny hockey fan or no? 50-50. I, I, I am. I significantly am. I love that guy. That yeah, guy single-handedly made Calgary hockey entertaining through the late 2010s. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I liked him when he came into the league. I, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> when a guy, when a guy is so good in a regular season and does nothing in the playoffs, that really hurts my, my admiration of him. And he was, uh, he was exactly that in 2019 Calgary wins the division and gets beaten in five by James's Colorado avalanche and Johnny Gaudreau has all of one assist in that whole series and looks awful in the process. Um, so since then I've kind of had that, like that impression of him, but he showed up at least for, for in that first round against Dallas um, big goal in game seven, you know, wasn't, wasn't the stud he was in the regular season last year um, that he in the playoffs, but he was still good. Um, what I was going to say though, and, you know, I've, I've only gone to one since I moved here, but I, I, I made it out in December to a Calgary flames game at the Scotiabank saddle dome. They hosted the Vancouver Canucks in, in the middle of December. So, and it's a Wednesday night game. So it's a national game. Vancouver's in town. It's a rival place looked like a sellout. And I genuinely think if I had a buddy sitting across the arena and he yelled at me, I'd be able to hear him place was place was quiet. I could hear a pin drop. No atmosphere, zero. So it was, uh, it was, it was jarring to me to actually be able to hear the fans in Calgary because it was like a sharp contrast to what I had endured when I was there uh, the previous month. You know, you watch playoff games and it's loud in there during the playoffs, but aside from that, you know, you really, you really don't hear much. You really don't hear much when you're in that building, and even, you know, even going to some Canucks games in in some seasons where they they were, you know, the the, the the I always call it the Michael Chaput, Jason Megna era of uh, of Vancouver Canucks, like a fifty percent Rogers Arena capacity at the end of the season. You can hear more of an atmosphere than a sold out Wednesday night game against a rival in a game that means a lot in the playoff hunt for for Calgary, which was jarring to me. So it was, uh, you know, I got to commend Flames fans for for using their voice and and <laughs> making some noise in that building for a regular season game. It's a uh, it's a uh, few few and far between when when that happens. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting fan base. Like they're they're passionate, but there's something to be. I haven't been there, but there's something to be said for that arena too, isn't it? Isn't it like the steepest arena in sports? Like if you slip down those stairs in the upper bowl, you're dead. I I, I definitely felt that. I it was also like the proportion of the lower bowl to upper bowl was also weird. Like the lower bowl was very small, and the upper bowl was bigger, which you're kind of gonna get, especially on the sides where the the saddle dome you know arches up. Um. Yeah, anyhow, um, you know, I understand booing Johnny Gaudreau. I do, but Calgary Flames fans' interpretation that their team was going to be better this year than last year has obviously been incorrect as well. So as much as Gaudreau is is going to miss the playoffs in Columbus, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to have the last laugh, but it's not like Calgary is. 
Yeah, I uh, I saw something on my phone that I have yet to confirm that says Nazem Kadri may have frosted tips right now. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah. So that could turn the season around. You don't know. That is possible. I had a, I had a close friend one time that was like planning on doing that and we were we were trying to get him to do it for a while because we just were so ready for him to look terrible and then he got him and he actually looked pretty good and it was you know it was kind of disappointing that he did because i was you know you hear a buddy it's like oh i'm gonna go get frosted tips you you want you want it to look awful right you you want to be able to make fun of him for it and then he comes back and he looks awesome it's like oh come on screw you (laughs) you were looking for some ammunition to absolutely bury your boy totally oh it's like oh man why do you look so freaking sexy man but i digress i digress shout out hudson Uh, (laughs) yeah shout out hudson nice try Aiden. you wish you wish uh all right well moving on uh uh you know it was just a couple short episodes ago where uh you and i were like yeah we don't talk about our teams too often to uh to avoid it just being a Canucks and Abs uh, podcast. And what is this, four, three, four episodes in a row we're talking about Canucks stuff? But we can't stop. The news just keeps coming. Yeah, well, last episode was definitely probably the longest we talked about one of our teams because you had a pretty sizable McKinnon uh, segment and I had a pretty sizable I'm going to just rip everything apart segment. My McKinnon segment wasn't a segment. It was an opus. That was an opus for my life yeah. for that man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, yeah, Vancouver continues to, like tonight, for instance, we're recording this late Wednesday, or late Tuesday, early Wednesday. So we've had the Canucks yeah, yeah, first Yeah, what time game. is it for you right now? I, I, I don't, I don't want to say it. Um, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's it's tuesday for james or i guess no it is wednesday for you now too we started it was tuesday for james and wednesday for me it is now wednesday in the a.m for both of us but um you know previously vancouver beat chicago 5-2 but it takes less than five minutes of game time for a jersey to hit the ice in vancouver um i'm not totally surprised about that i have to commend you know vancouver canucks fans often aren't really a fan base, you know, I, 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 I'm going to commend very often because, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of negativity in the market in general. There's a lot of negativity on social media in general. Um, there, there, there's often hostility towards reporters and, and, you know, like we, we were both in the market, James, and, and we don't need to get into it, but I know you and I have both felt it as, as professional media in that market. So um, I do have to commend the whole Canucks fan base for really standing with Bruce Boudreaux, because at the end of the day, like how often do you see a team that's so, so below their expectations have a coach that's still so beloved? Like most of the time, like in a situation like this in Vancouver, where the team is, is so is performing so much worse than they were supposed to do this season. You have the fans, you have the players turning on the coach. It was completely the opposite. And everybody, showed their love for Boudreaux right till the end. And it was nice to see him get the send off in Vancouver. And, and while I'm commending the the fans for how they treated him, you gotta, <laughs> it's the opposite for the organization because at the end of the day, the way this was very publicly handled, um, you know, Bruce, it definitely, it definitely had a toll on him and it, it it's really disappointing to see somebody who, you know, by every indication is, is nothing but a, nothing but a superb guy have to go through something like that. 
yeah, it hurt. You know, like this this city definitely fell in love with Brucey. Um, I affectionately call him Brucey, and I'm not even a Canucks fan. Um, like the amount of times I've been uh out with my buddies after a game and and we're just leading chance of Bruce, there it is. Just leading the chance. Walking around downtown, uh hitting a couple local spots and just chanting it. And you chant oh. it, people chant back. Oh yeah, no, like the the it was the first I went to the first game after he was hired. They beat the LA Kings last year. Me and uh one of the guys we graduated with, James uh, Braden Ursel, we were at that game together and we're on the SkyTrain after and it is like ringing throughout the both the SkyTrain station and then it is ringing throughout the SkyTrain as we're going back. Uh we're going back east um out of Vancouver. It is it is it was nuts and you know, like I I definitely bought into their playoff push last year. Um and I bought into um, what he was doing to that team, but you know, and and I'm not saying I'm not saying a, a midseason coaching change was the wrong decision. I'm not saying he should have been brought back next year at all. I'm just saying there was a better way to handle it. And it it's it's disappointing to see again somebody wait, that wait, 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 wait. I want you to say it. I think the midseason coaching change was a joke. You look at the financials of this team that goes off nonstop about well, everyone's going off nonstop about oh they have to make money. This is why we can't invest in a rebuild. But you're paying you're paying how much to your coaching staff to Travis Green, Bruce Boudreaux, and Rick Tockett all at once? I don't even really want to entertain the notion that like the Canucks are in a financially bad place and that's why they can't do a rebuild because that that's a joke. It's a complete joke. It's a multi-million dollar organization. The team's value, the team's revenue. It's like, you know, like <laughs> I, 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 it really annoys me sometimes when a company has their revenue go down and then that is viewed as the company's losing money. <laughs> like, no, Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks organization, they could pay 10 more coaches. They're not going to lose money this season, okay? And until okay. Until they lose money, it's not a money problem. Right. So you can you can say all you want about, oh, they can't invest in a rebuild. It's like, no, James, like I said, I know I said it last week. It is the 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 it, it's <laughs> it's greediness of the people that stand to make money from those playoff games of revenue. Those those, those two. Games. Yeah. No, that that the game games three and four that you're going to play before you're knocked out in the first round. Right. It is the people that stand to make money from that that are making decisions going towards that. And it's it's not fair. Um no, uh, to me, you make a coaching change when you need to make a coaching change, right? I like I, 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 it, it depends what you want, right? Because if, if you make the coaching change when they're struggling at the beginning of the season, then the argument can still be made. Oh, you still want to make the playoffs and you weren't going to make the playoffs with this guy. If you make the coaching change at the end of the season, you've, you've obviously, you know, we didn't make the playoffs. So we're going to change something for next year. It's January 25th. They're not making the playoffs. Uh -uh. I, I don't care. They're not. So, it doesn't seem like they should have done it now. I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it in, in the season at all, but right now it, it was, it was really just, it, it was almost pointless. And it, it kind of just felt like they did it because they had handled the situation so poorly that it was, the writing was on the wall that they were going to do it. And they were like, okay, we might as well do it now. <laughs> um, uh, quick sidebar. Uh, 
I have a, a visual memory and imagination. So every time someone says the writing is on the wall, I picture in my head some kid or some person drawing something on the wall and saying, look, see, this is what it is. So every time someone says the writing is on the wall or the writing was on the wall, I picture that. There's someone drawing on a wall in my brain and looking over and going, see, look. Well, and this will this will tell you exactly what kind of person I am. But I'm I, I say that and I'm looking over and I can see on my shelf where the vinyl record of uh of the wall by Pink Floyd is. Like I'm looking at it. I can see I can see the spine of it. I recognize it on the left there. Um, so that's what I think of when I when I hear somebody say that phrase is is the the album cover. Um, yeah. So it's you know and and we're we've we've committed enough time to the Canucks kind of in the last no, no, couple no, no, of weeks. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not done yet. What what do you? I think Rick Tockett and Sergey Gonchar and Adam Foote might be the coolest coaching staff in the league. I really like the idea of bringing in Gonchar and Foote because the the way they were as players is exactly how this defense core has to transition into playing. So it's a sensible decision. Um, but James, I guess my point right now is is like I I I don't see any of this having any sort of a meaningful change or impact. Like I, I do not think this change is making them a cup contender with this core. This change is not making them a playoff team with this core. The, like I, <laughs> this just change, unless Rick talk, can pull off a miracle, which he did. Uh, he did in Pittsburgh with Phil castle. Right. But unless he can pull off a similar miracle, he got the Yotes to the playoffs too. He did the bubble season. So calm down. But, um, <laughs> And Darcy Kemper was also most of that. Yeah, literally, yeah. Um, because they didn't finish in the playoffs, but they had to beat Nashville in that qualifying round. And I digress. Um, JT Miller is a problem to me. His attitude is a problem. His lack of effort on the ice is a problem. His lack of effort to be an agreeable human being off the ice is a problem. Um, I, I so again, if Taka can can change this man into a more positive version of, of all those things I just said, then, then that helps. But, you know, and at, at the end of the day, the other thing to point to is like, look at what Boudreaux was doing to this team's stars, right? Like Quinn Hughes was thriving offensively. Patterson was thriving on both sides of his game. Bo Horvat's goal scoring was thriving. Andre Kuzmenko was thriving. Like, you know, there's problems with this team, but the performance of their top players really wasn't the problem. So now do I see Rick Tockett improving the team as a whole? Maybe because I think the systems he's going to implement and the team defense he's going to really push is going to help the team not be as much of a dumpster fire in their own zone as they usually are. But Pedersen's point, Pedersen's pace is going to go down. Horvat's pace is going to go down. Kuzmenko's pace is going to go down. I'm calling it right now. Um, and especially when you want to trade Horvat, and you maybe want to trade Kuzmenko, that's not a good thing, right? Um, other piece of this too is almost every team ever has gets a new coach bump whenever the coach gets replaced. And the Vancouver Canucks, like I said, they're not going to make the playoffs. And if you're not going to make the playoffs, the best thing you could do is lose the rest of your games. And they will now win more games than they probably would have under Boudreaux. So it's just another negative thing to add onto this pile. Uh, just to bookend this, did you see Andrew Cogliano's comments about Boudreaux? No. Ah, so after the Avs beat the Canucks, um, wish we bet on that. It would have had to be some pretty crazy odds. Like, like you oh. get like $40 if you win, and I get like 
I, I don't, I, I, I don't even know if I would have, I don't even know if I would have put five dollars on the line if the <laughs> if if you were gonna give me forty in return on that game. I genuinely think I don't do it. It would have to be more than that. Um, but yeah, so Cogliano basically said Boudreaux is one of the best coaches he's ever had. He's a great coach and an even better person. And his game and his career would be would not be where they are without him. And he doesn't understand why this city can't just why this city, why this ownership, um, blah blah blah, why why everything can't just work with the guy when he's such an agreeable human being. I think everybody but Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, and above would have been willing to. But the other thing too, and and it's it's it it, it speaks. I don't I don't think it speaks necessarily to mismanagement on Rutherford and Alvin's part. More so mismanagement on ownership's part, which is I'm going back to that well because it's it's the it's 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 that's what I see the problem with this team is. But they hire Bruce Boudreaux, the ownership does, and then they hire Rutherford and Alvin. So Boudreaux was never their guy. Do you know what I mean? Like Rutherford and Alvin were always going to bring in their coach. Jim Rutherford and Rick Toggin know each other from Pittsburgh. So you can see the connection made there. Rutherford and Alvin came into an organization that had just hired a new head coach in Boudreaux. On an interim basis, I actually don't think they would have had plans to bring him back this year at all. But because of the success that he had with the team last year and because of the popularity in the market, they felt like their hands were tied and they had to bring him back. So really, like at the end of the day, there are there was a laundry list of things that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin could have done better in this situation. But I genuinely think that there's a case to be made that Francesco Aquilini put them in a box and and threw away the key, right? Like it's it's it, <laughs> again. I'm, I got the quote. Go. So Andrew Cogliano says to uh, Peter Ball of the Athletic, who does great interviews, by the way. Um, I don't know what's going on here, but I love Bruce. I think he's a great man. He cares about his players. He cares about his team and he's a good coach. I have my thoughts on what's going on here with him on a personal level. And I don't think it's warranted. He's done a good job throughout the league. We had a lot of success in Anaheim and I actually attribute a lot of, uh, my success in the league to him. So I owe him a lot and I think he'll come out on top of this. He's a player's coach. He's very popular. It's good to see him getting that recognition. I really hope that if he desires another coaching job in the league, he gets one because he deserves one, right? He's a good coach and he's a good person. You know, and I think everybody, I'm not the only Canucks fan in this world. I think every Canucks fan is really wishing him the best. And and genuinely from the bottom of my heart, I really hope he, you know, I, I, (laughs) you know what I really want, James, I really want him to get a job next year. And the first time he comes to Vancouver, it's like 10, nothing. He wins. He just blows him out. That'd be hilarious. Completely agree, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think he's gonna get like an like an assistant coaching job somewhere. If I had to guess, maybe next year, probably the year after. I think he takes a little bit of time away. Maybe it's more of an advisory role. But that guy loves the game too much. He, we've we saw the clip with his, him with tears in the eyes, giving the quick wave to the fans, and not wanting to draw attention to himself. But he knows how much the fans love him, so he had to. Had to give them a quick little salute. Yeah, it was it was really special. It would uh I think that guy loves the game too much to completely step back. I think an advisory role would end up being perfect for him. But yeah, I think uh we should move on. I know you wanted to talk about former first overall pick Owen Power a little bit. 
after the guy has scored two goals, second one coming tonight. What do you have to say about that one, my man? Oh, finally is what I have to say, man. Like I, I picked Matty Beneers for the Calder at the beginning of the season, but it was a toss up for me. It was really close. I, I, I struggled between power and Beneers. And I know I said this in the last podcast. Um, I always mandate my fantasy league, take a rookie and my buddy took Beneers. I was going to take Beneers. My buddy took him first. So I was like, okay, I'll take power. Um, and his offensive production hadn't been really what I thought it was going to be this season. He, Hadn't scored in his first, I think, 42 games, but he finally scores the overtime winner a couple nights ago. He scores again tonight against the St. Louis Blues. So just, you know, <laughs> for Owen Power, I hope it. I hope it's the start of a kind of a, a when it rains, it pours offensive goal output for him. Took him a while to get one, and he's already got his second. Hopefully it continues to flow for a guy that I really like. He's, he's you know, I, I think he's going to get almost overshadowed in Buffalo a little bit. Rasmus Dahlin's having an unreal season. Tage Thompson continues to have an unreal season. You've got Dylan Cousins taking a step into a bona fide star top six forward this year as well. Um, Alex Tuck keeps getting better. Jack Quinn's only going to keep getting better. So you've got this long list of guys in Buffalo. The goalies, Devin Levi, Uko Pekka, Paterka has been awesome this year as well. So the Sabres have a lot of storylines. They've got a lot of guys. And I just, you know, um, so many other guys have had their limelight this year. Owen Power has definitely fallen under the radar. But, you know, first two goals of the season for the rookie is huge. And uh, good, good to see him get it. Well, and uh, just to add one more little thing to that, because I thought you broke it down really well. Um, only thing that I would like to mention is you look at the guy's minutes played. Those are tough minutes against top players. That's... uh. That can't be understated. He's a defenseman and he's playing defense and he's doing a damn good job of it. So props to him and uh, all the best to him going forward. So next on our little list here, I uh, I added this one last minute while we were while we were in our fast food talk. Um, I just thought, oh, I think I want to talk about this. So Aiden, I want to ask you, and then I'll say I'll come up with something myself while you're talking. I want to know what you think is the return for star San Jose Sharks forward Timo Meyer. That's tough because trading in the NHL now is just stupid hard. Like it, it's, it's so difficult. Every team is either up against the cap or they're over the cap when you take into account LTIR space. Um, so you're trading for a pending free agent that you're not sure if you can sign, you know, it's, it's much like the Horvat situation. What it might end up being is just best offer on the table for the San Jose Sharks. It was Tuck Krebs and a first for Eichel, wasn't it? I believe so. There might've been another draft pick in there too. Yeah. I think that, that, that sounds right that there was there was another pick in there. Just gonna quickly, it was a second. Sorry, so it was uh, Eichel and a third for Krebs, Tuck a first and a second. I wouldn't be surprised if it's something along those lines back for Timo Meyer. Like for instance, if you're but looking no at contract, the... Meyer has no contract. I know, but if you're looking at the Carolina Hurricanes, for instance, Patrick uh... goes down. They're in a win now mode, so maybe it's it's something kind of like a, a Teravine and Jarvis in a first, right? Something along those lines of a good roster player, a solid young player and a first round pick, especially if you're the Carolina hurricanes, right? If everything goes to plan for Carolina, that pick is in the is 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. It's near the end of that draft, right? So you also kind of have to consider that 
like a first round pick from a really good team is a late first. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know if Carolina wants to part with Seth Jarvis. Obviously he's one of their, you know, I'm not going to say few and far between, but they definitely have a thin prospect pool with how good they've been recently. That's kind of what happens. Um, but if a team wants to, wants to get somebody like Meyer, like I'm, I love this guy, James, he's so good. And, and he can, you know, like he can be, I, I see if the right team trades for him, he can kind of be to a team what Marion Gabrick was to the Kings in 2014. That's always my benchmark of a, a big deadline trade and guy leads the playoffs and goals, clutch goal after clutch goal, huge part of the team, huge part of the power play, huge part of the top six. And then they sign him, right? And then they ink him to a contract. So, you know, somebody like a Carolina Hurricanes, Max Petretti's free agent at $7 million, right? So if he's trade for Timo Meyer, Petretti is, off your books this summer you got seven million bucks to play with yeah i was uh i wanted to continue on this carolina hurricanes run you were going on there so i was taking a little deep dive of their prospects pool i couldn't help but notice something if you're san jose you want a goalie of the future do you not maybe uh a, a right now start growing with your young players goalie Pyotr Kochetkov does not have a place as the starter or backup of the Hurricanes right now. That's a piece. That's a starting piece. That's a little bit. And then you get your draft picks. You get your other prospects. Other prospects could be a Jack Drury, a Ryan Suzuki, uh, maybe even a spicy little Noel Gundler could help. I don't know. Um, There's pieces there for sure. But I think like if I'm San Jose, I want to take back as many uh, goalie lottery balls as possible. I think that's a great idea. James, they're not giving up Kuchekov, <laughs> buddy. They're what? not. Freddie Anderson's $4.5 million comes off the books this summer. Antti Ranta's $2 million comes off the books this summer. Both those guys are pending free agents. They are not signing both of those guys moving forward again. They were like, you know, I'm not saying based on either of those goalies is play. It's been a mistake, but they signed two very injury prone goalies to backstop their team. And what do you know? They've both been hurt a lot since they did that. Kochetkov is Carolina's goalie of the future. He's their goalie of next year. I'm telling you that right now. He but- would not be in the AHL right now if he wasn't waiver exempt. Promise you that. But Carolina loves going to the free agent goalie pool. They could just go again. Just just reload. <laughs> Again, if they were the Vancouver Canucks, I'd absolutely put money on them making the same mistake they just made over and over again. But I think Carolina is a more coherently ran franchise, so they're not going to do that. Um, Coherent? Are you saying Vancouver is slurring their words? With their actions, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's that's about the equivalent. Uh, Yeah, so Jarvis has been their only first-round pick since 2020. And I... I do like Noel Gundler. I think he's a good player. I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of Vasily Panamarev. His development has, has continued to be pretty solid. Chicago Wolves this year, he's got 20 points in 32 games. Um, when I watched him play when he was a youngster, I I middle six forward is what he was screaming at me. One of those Pavel Zaka-esque uh, second or third line center that can be interchangeable. Second PK unit, second power play unit. Um I don't think that's enough of a of a <laughs> of a return for San Jose if he's going to be the main piece in the trade. Um, that's kind of why I said Jarvis. He's got way more high end potential. Forty points in sixty eight games last year for Jarvis. You know he 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 should be a pretty slam dunk top six forward, but it's not going to be Kachekov. 
Yeah, uh, the other one I was thinking was if you're the Rangers, you throw like a little Braden Schneider or, uh, action in there or something. Maybe you get your draft pick because they might not be able to make it work financially for a Patrick Kane type. So I think it might be a little bit easier if you're the Rangers to get that as a rental. But if you're paying a ton of value, you want a guy who you can resign, and the Rangers do not have the cap space to resign. But they also have a lot of prospects. They've also got a, a laugh. They've got a capo caco, you know? I I see the Rangers probably giving up on one of the forwards before Schneider. As much as Keandre Miller... Me too, me too. And as much as Keandre Miller is the guy on the back end as far as the Rangers' as defenseman of the future... Braden Schneider shouldn't really be far off in that conversation. What's so, Adam Fox then? Oh, I mean, defenseman of the future, defenseman of the past, <laughs> defenseman of the now, right? Fox is just Fox is the whole package. But you've got if you're staring down a, a top four for in, an indefinite top four of Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, uh, Keandre Miller, uh, Braden Schneider, and you got Jacob Truba anchoring your third pair. All of a sudden, the Rangers' defense is is scary good. Um, That's where. It is. No, no kidding. Um, forwards, you've got, I think you've got enough forwards that one of Kako, Lafreniere, Hedl, Kraftsoff is definitely tradable. Vitaly Kraftsoff definitely has the least value between all those guys, but I definitely think in a, in a trade for Timo Meyer, San Jose will be kind of looking at him and saying, you know, we'll take on the project because of the potential. And that's, and that's what Kraftsoff's got a lot of is potential. Practically so, a throw in at that point. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would have to be a very strong other piece um, from the New York Rangers to to kind of help that along. But all things considered, I I don't think I don't think we're I I don't think we're barking up the right tree with the Rangers. To be completely honest with you, I I don't see them like you said. I I don't see them making an investment in somebody right now that is is going to walk in the summer. Okay, well, totally fair. Uh, right before we move on from Timo Meyer, uh, quick off the top of your head, what do you think are the top three trade destinations for him? We already both think Carolina. Yeah, Carolina Hurricanes, especially with the news of Max Pacioretty, right? Like, I, I, I wouldn't maybe have them as such a clear number one. Uh, without that, um, number two, this is going to be a sizzling hot take because there's a zero percent chance if they that they're going to sign him after. And if they do, they're giving up somebody else. But I think the Toronto Maple Leafs, there is no way zero that this Maple Leafs roster is in the Eastern conference finals this year without something that is bolstering it. They've got a really nice Matthew nice sitting in the NCAA that a lot of teams like a lot of teams. Like you might not even have to give up a really strong roster player. You can give up, nice and then a b-list prospect or a b-tier roster player and uh the a first round pick that they're going to hope is a late one for timo meyer and get him but they even if they beat tampa in the first round this year they are not beating the boston bruins without some reinforcements they're just not period even with the reinforcements they might not but for the toronto maple leafs like you know <laughs> i i Beating Tampa, getting past the first round will feel like, you know, it, it'll, it'll feel like a Stanley Cup in its own right for that city. But at the end of the day, is uh, is a five-game second-round exit really, really worth all this just for one playoff series win? You know what I mean? Like, <sighs> As an Avs fan that watched his team get their heart broken in the second round three years in a row, it's not worth it. No, it's not. So Toronto's my number two, and, and I think – you know, I think I think Kyle Dubas has to kind of start having the thought in the back of his head, like, "Oh, I've been here for a while. 
we still haven't won a playoff series. I wonder how much longer I'm going to be here. <laughs> oh, there's so much I want to go into on that, but we need to move on. Okay, what's your third one? My third one is is this one's way tougher, and this is definitely going to be kind of it's a team that I think is getting a forward. I actually see them as a Bo Horvat fit more so than a Timo Meyer fit. But I'm going to go Seattle. They've got the prospects. They've got the draft capital. Um, and they've got a team right now, a bunch of guys that are are playing very well. But on that forward core, Matty Beneers is, is probably the top guy. But, you know, if you look at the forward core, who, who's a superstar? Beneers might be the closest thing to it. Not to discount Andre Burakovsky at all. Great player. Jordan Eberle's played amazing this year. Jared McCann scoring a ton of goals. But they don't have a stud. Meyer could be that stud. All right, my quick top three. I've got the Hurricanes at number two. My number one, the New Jersey Devils. They've got the prospects. They've got a they've got an Alexander Holtz that's very tempting. They have draft picks. And they have room on their top wings for a guy to come in and just be a monster. So they, and they have cap space. Like, dude, there is cap room there. You don't even have to fumble around and try and make the money work. It's there. You have to make a little bit of room, but not much. Um, And then my number three, New York Islanders. I really like that Islanders pick. I do because they're a team that is in that is competing and that needs the offensive reinforcements like they have kind of for a little while now. Um, the reason Jersey passed through my head and the reason that I didn't kind of delve into them is because I think that you're, you're right about the cap space in the short term. But if you go and you look at how many contracts that team has expiring this summer, they have a lot of work to do already. Um so many of their guys are also young, right? Like you've got maybe, you know, Damon Severson's expiring. He is maybe one of a handful. Dougie Hamilton maybe would be another. Um, but most of that team isn't maybe like Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer entering their prime. Yes, Brad's in his prime. Nobody's really at the end of their prime, right? Nobody's really past their prime. So the Devils to me are a team that can be this good next year as well. So I don't know if they want to mortgage future assets away right now to get somebody like Timo Meyer that is is very much a win now move for a team that as good as they are is still so built for the future. Yeah, totally fair. I, I understand what you're getting at there. Um yeah, yeah, I I see what you mean. I still just think they're their attempting option and one Mr. Elliot Friedman, I believe brought them up as well. So, yeah, I mean, usually he's smarter than we are. So I also saw real quick. I saw a post of people blaming Elliot Friedman for this whole Boudreaux situation. Oh, we need to acknowledge this. Yeah. Yeah. Just real quick. uh, Stop that immediately. Elliot Friedman is an NHL insider. He's doing his job. Blame the sources that gave him the information. Don't blame the reporter for reporting on the information he got. And Very blame simply. the people making the decisions if you're looking for someone to blame. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> there, 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 there's a list of people here that might be at fault. Um, 
Elliot Friedman's not on it. He's not near it. Screw off. <laughs> All right. Well, we took quite a bit of time there. Uh, we have one last little chunk of of NHL action. Uh, Aiden, I don't really have too much to say on it. Um, not that I'm disregarding any of it or not supporting any of it. Uh, I just it's it's not all that it's low hanging fruit for me. Uh, you have anything to say on these matters? Uh, and those matters being Gary Bettman speaking on, uh, yeah, thinking and the 2018 World Junior investigation. Yeah, if you're wondering, go look it up. He said there's no tanking because we have a weighted lottery. Uh, he's objectively wrong. That's you know low hanging fruit. Gary Bettman is wrong about something. Really, don't see that needing to be a uh, needing to be a story. Um. I do want to just quickly say uh, Bettman says the 2018 team Canada world junior investigation is quote really close to the end. Um, he said the investigation was not a race and the goal was to get it right. Um, I'm not going to judge the NHL and his handling of this situation yet, because I want to see what the results of the investigation are and then what they do, because there is a chance that the results of the investigation go a certain way. And then they, handle that very very well or very very poorly so i'm going to reserve judgment i just did want to give an update that apparently we are close to a resolution and a resolution on this matter as i kind of said a couple weeks ago is a positive thing yeah i'll echo that that's really all i've got to say on the matter resolution is positive um all right well we're gonna head to junior and it's time for damn it'd be cool if we had some like really like fun like maybe like weather network theme music for this it's time for aiden sarah's junior scouting report like imagine if we had that that'd be pretty cool it would be cool if this was gonna be like like this is three or four episodes in a row but it's not like i'm doing this every week indefinitely um did you ever see the people's court no no i don't think so okay well when we're done this pod um, you have to look up the people's court theme music, and I think that's what would suit it. Okay, okay, I'll keep yeah, that in mind. Yeah. We, gotta, we gotta get Gareth. We gotta get Gareth on that more so than me. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I watched Braden Jaeger play. A little bit underwhelmed. Definitely had a definitely had a down game for him. Uh, Brandon Wheat Kings had two draft eligible players. Their goaltender Bjarnason was not able to play. I think the official team word was illness. Um, little birdie told me it was food poisoning, but that's, uh, you know, doesn't matter. Nate Danielson, however, did play and Nate Danielson played very, very well, James. Like, you know, he was everything I wanted Braden Yeager to be basically when I watched him play on Saturday, every time he was on the ice, you really noticed him. He's, he's a very intelligent passer. He picks up that puck. He picks up his head. You know, he, he can get it in the he can get it in the right side of the neutral zone and fire it diagonally across on the tape of his player on the left side through bodies, through maze, through sticks. Um, his offensive arsenal is really good. He uses his his feet and his, you know, his hockey IQ to create space for himself. He uses his size to his advantage, too. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but when he's carrying that puck through the neutral zone, he protects it really well with his body, the way he moves and the way he keeps his body between the the player that's coming at him and the puck is really well but one of the things that i i really didn't know about him until i watched him was how good he was defensively as well like he's really good on the penalty kill he reads the play really well he's got a good active stick he's good at breaking up passes but another thing that i noticed was on the back check there were multiple times he just stripped a guy like it was nothing and and you know it's 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 a it's an underrated skill being able to 
to to come up behind a guy because that 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 offensive player with the puck always knows you're there. They they're always aware of what's around them, and it's really hard to be able to kind of sneak up on them and, and lift their stick at the puck. And Danielson did it so well on multiple occasions. Uh, the Wheat Kings ended up losing to Red Deer in overtime, but um, yeah, Noah Daniel or sorry Nate Danielson to me was 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 quite the player. His brother Noah plays for Drumheller in the AJHL, and I. Uh, have have definitely uh, mixed up those names on a broadcast already this year. So, yeah, Nate Danielson. You know, I I can see I can see statistically I can see the the logical reason that Braden Yeager might be rated above him. But from what I've seen so far, he he he's no reason Danielson should be below Yeager. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, I have not seen either of them play all that much, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I see what you mean just from the stat lines and, and what I've heard and what I've heard from you. But, all right, well, are we going to talk about Bedsy before we go to Junior or what? Yeah, why not? Connor why Bedard. Not? Connor Bedard. Bedsy kid. Yeah, so I've got Zach Benson to do a quick scouting report on next week and then Bedard the week after. I don't really need to say much about Bedard, I'm sure, by that point. Everybody would have seen him already. I hope he has a really bad game for when you watch and it's just He he, he he wasn't very good in Red Deer the first time. He had one assist and, and was was uh they, they did a pretty good job of of subduing him at the beginning of the season. But um yeah, so another just a, it's a it's a whole other Bob McKenzie prospect rankings that he is again the consensus number one of um it, it's starting to look like it's as unanimous as unanimous gets you go on his elite prospects page you see that uh top ranked prospect and it's got his his rankings by all the companies or all the all the outlets that list those things and he's number one on all of them which you don't always see even as you know somebody like a like an owen power wasn't consensus number one the right? start of the year wasn't fantilly number one on one guy's list um, I don't think so, but I, I know Bedard was number two on one list and I, I, I had no idea who it was. Yeah. I, I, I know there was a lot of, a lot of, we'll see with that. I don't remember if there was a specific one where the movement has been, has been in that, um, really that two to 10 range. You've got Will Smith out of the U S national development program that skyrocketed up those rankings this year. Uh, making a real case for him to be a top five pick, but I, I really think the 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 top picks in this draft should be locks. I think the top five, to me, the top seven are all locks. It's Bedard, and then a group from two to five that includes Fantilli, Edward Shala, Leo Carlson, and Mavi Michkov. You can kind of rank those guys in the order that you prefer. I'd have Fantilli at two above the rest, and then you have the number six number seven to me number six is zach benson number seven is will smith and then from there it's 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 fair game um but connor bedard is 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 the one he's he's not only a tier above everybody else he might be multiple tiers above everybody else at this point um and we we've talked about enough we'll talk about him again and it's 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 crazy to see because you know like you, (laughs) you hear all these things you hear the exceptional status you see what he's doing and and it really feels like the 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 progression of this guy's hype just has not hit any road bumps. He's just getting he. I feel like anything but a hundred point season next year in the NHL will feel like a disappointment from him at this point. We already have a bet on that, don't we? Yeah, we do. We definitely do. I probably should have waited for to see what team ends up getting him to to do that, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um... 
you gotta, you gotta wonder if the hype ever plateaus. Usually, it doesn't plateau until until the start of their first pro season. Um, that's when people start to manage expectations more. Um, but one thing when we were just talking about draft rankings is Matvey Michkov not number two if it isn't for his contract and and the fact that he's Russian. He's one hundred percent top three. Um. I, I'd I'd like him above Fantilia if it's not for the contract. It's 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 definitely there's definitely a case to be made for that. I I the guy already looks like Kucherov every time he steps on the ice. It's frightening. Yeah, yeah. And and I I, I you know, I, if you're scared he's never going to come over, I understand the hesitancy, but if you're only worried that he's not going to come over for instance for the duration of his contract in Russia like oh, we're not going to get him for 3 years. It's like okay, so if you're the Chicago Blackhawks and you get third overall and you're not getting Matt Michkov in three years, are you going to contend in three years? Is he going to make a difference in your uh, competitiveness in the next three years? It depends no. on what your perception of you is because if you that you're speaking to is the general manager, that general manager probably isn't there in three years. That's fair. No, that is more than fair. I'm more just saying a fran- the franchise as a whole are not going to be competing for a playoff spot in the next three seasons to me at all they are going to need a few more drafts to get to that point they're going to need a, a few more pieces in play so i think mishkov will show up right around when they want to make that push which isn't a bad thing i i really you know if 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 you get kind of like a team like the new york rangers were when they picked lafreniere first overall where it's like a team that's a lot more in win now that dropped down for the season for instance if if a you know if if Calgary not only misses the playoffs, but ends up falling and then ends up with a top five pick, right? For instance, Calgary's win now. They are not building for the future. So I totally see why they wouldn't take Mishkov because they want to pick, like if, if it's your choice between Mishkov or a, or a Zach Benson, you think Benson's on your team in two seasons, Mishkov might not be for four. You want to contend in two seasons. You think Benson's that piece. You can uh-huh. take Benson. But if you're not going to be in the playoffs until Mishkov shows up anyways, I don't see the point in passing him up. Yeah, totally. And uh, one more quick question for you. Have you used a mock draft simulator at all? Because I had a lot of fun with one last night. No, not as of yet. Are you talking like a, a mock draft as in like you 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 sim the draft lottery? Yeah, you sim the draft lottery. And uh, I did it about 50 times in a row. There were three or four occasions where Montreal had pick one and two. Because they have Florida's pick. That's awesome. And uh, there was only one out of 50 or so times that Vancouver won the draft lottery. And They're not going to win. Through Vancouver fashion. They're not going to win the draft lottery. Um, but so that, that brings up my next point. If you're Montreal and you get one and two, why wouldn't you take Bedard and Michkov? You have a lot of young players already making a difference. You can wait. You can wait for Mijkov to come in and be just as much of a superstar. Why not? Yes, you're right. If they get second overall, my vote is they do something really creative with that pick because you've got Bedard. Okay, you've got Connor Bedard. You've got the face of the franchise. You've got the face of the organization. You've also got Nick Suzuki, Uri Slykovsky, Cole Caulfield, Kirby Doc on that forward group moving forward. Okay. And so that Harvey you... Pennard dude, I kind of like him for some reason. Sure, Joshua <laughs> Wah. If you want to, if you yeah. want to continue on, um, what you what you have on the back end is uh Caden Gooey and nobody else. So, Arbor um, Jack guy. 
Jackai out of nowhere. Yes, Arbor Jackai's been been that, but again, he is I, that I, guy. I think I think he'll be a very very solid second pair defenseman. Five. Yeah, yeah, four five. Um, there are no defensemen worth taking in the top five of this draft. Not even close. So, do you pull a creative trade? Maybe with a team like New Jersey, who has a plethora of top-end defense prospects, right? Wouldn't New Jersey love an Edward Shala to play in that top six? You know what I mean? Wouldn't New Jersey love a Matt Vemichkov to step in, play with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt, right? Um, maybe a Buffalo Sabres. They've got Rasmus Dahlin. Rasmus Dahlin is going to be the guy. They've got a lot of other defense prospects, including Owen Power, but they've got a lot of forwards too. So you've got a ton of teams that have a a, a variety of assets, and Montreal needs a defenseman. So I'm I'm looking at that number two pick. You've got Bedard. You don't really need another forward. I don't know who their trading partner is, but do you go after a defenseman? Who's the wildest GM left in the league? Oof. Because whoever that guy is, that's the dude who's make, trying to make the move. Yeah, no, totally. Like we that's don't we have any of those left. No, there's 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 nothing that comes to mind right away. Yeah, because it used to be back in the day. It was like, yeah, Bob Murray would try and do something crazy. Brian Burke would try and do something crazy. Garth Snow would would sell his house, buying lottery tickets to try and do something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well, if Montreal gets picks one and two, they pick Bedard, they should try and turn number two into a young defenseman. That's my vote. But I don't know, you know, I'm not I'm not paid enough money to 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 figure out who to who and for what. But, you know, we're not paid any money to figure this out. No, I'm we're not. We're just, There's, we're just, nothing. There's yeah. zero money coming in. Let's not create we're, that misconception. We're just we're just here to vibe. <laughs> and I must say the vibes are immaculate. All right, moving on. Moving on. All right, well, before I use one of my few catchphrases, I know you have a little bit of blackballed Bulldog stuff to talk about. Yeah, so again, context. AJHL, Blackfolds, his first season was last year. Um, James, you're from BC. You are a a tracker, at least, of the BCHL. You know how good those Penticton Vs always are. The AJHL has the equivalent to the Penticton Vs. They're called the Brooks Bandits. Brooks loves to win their national championships. They are frequently the winners of the league. They have the most players that are listed on the NHL central scouting registry. They've got the entire team of players all with NCAA commitments. They are a powerhouse. They are first place in the South division. They beat the Blackfolds Bulldogs 17, nothing at the beginning of the season last year. One of Blackfolds first games as a franchise. They got pounded. Okay. This season, Blackfolds went into, or sorry, this month. Stop, last week, stop. He's already dead. Yeah. So last weekend, Blackfolds goes into Brooks. They win 6-3. They've played five games against the first place Bandits this season. They've won twice, lost twice, and lost one in a shootout. They are 2-2-1 two, two and one against a team that has not lost twice to anybody else in the league. And just a year after getting beaten 17 nothing in their first meeting ever with the Brooks Bandits, this Blackfolds team is on paper leading this season series. Or sorry, not obviously not yet, but 2-2-1, two, two, and one, they have a, what I meant to say, 500 record in their season series against Brooks, which is, it's, it's, it's awesome to see from the Bulldogs. Um, so I just wanted to shine a light on a big win for them. 
and you love to see it. You love to see it. It's a little bit of a AJHL David and Goliath moment. It's a good time. I mean, I mean, your your Bulldogs have a better record than than David, whoever David might be. Yeah, but... it's 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 not as bad as the 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 expansion team that just lost seventeen nothing turning around because the team is very different than it was at the beginning of last season. Um, it is the third place team in the South right now, beating the first place team in the South. But it is, you know, the second year franchise becoming the first team this season to beat the juggernauts twice, which is great for them. You love to see it. And uh, well, it's time. I'm going to say it at this point. Aiden knows the exact words. He knows a word for word. He could practically sing along, but it would oh. create, it would create some terrible audio. So we won't do I, that. I also don't want to. Uh it wouldn't be the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple great games to play. So without further ado, let's get after it. Put a little spin on it that time. You like that? No comment. No comment. Okay. All right. This guy's stone cold. It's hard to get something out of him right now. So we're going to do some, uh, some career trajectories. And uh, the first one, I will be in shock and awe and amused if you don't get it this player played from the 0506 season until last season his career goes the colorado avalanche the la kings the vancouver canucks the arizona coyotes the nashville predators the Calgary Flames, and the Vancouver Canucks. Who do you got? It's Brad Richardson, man. Yeah, yeah, I thought oh. so. I knew that would be an easy one for you. I really liked him. Mm-hmm. All around solid player. Yeah, yeah, he was just always a likable guy. It's uh, never really did anything that really pissed anyone off all that much from what I could tell. All right, player number two. This is a fun one. I like this one. This player came to my mind as I was walking from uh, walking from my car to Starbucks before work. And uh, because that's what a hockey nerd does is random player names just pop into your head. And you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he existed. Cool. So this player played in the NHL from the 2000-2001 season until the 12-13 season. And so his his career went oh the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the LA Kings, the Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils, the Winnipeg Jets. Never the Atlanta Thrashers, eh? Yeah, never the Atlanta Thrashers. Oh, my apologies. One last little New Jersey Devils stint at the end. I thought that was reversed. Hockey DB uh, put me in the blender for a sec. So at the oh. end, it's Devils, Jets, Devils. Okay, okay. I was just going to clarify that it was a second trip back to Jersey. Okay. Oh, I love this moment. I love when you start to see a little bit of fear, a little bit of loss in his eyes. Yeah, I'm just trying to run through my head here. Let me know when you're ready for your one hint per player. Because I think the hint will really help, but I want you to put an honest effort in before you ask for the hint. And I can see your gears turning, so it is an honest effort so far. 
Yeah, maybe on a different day I stay here for longer and I I, I continue to 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 ponder this one. But um I haven't I haven't used many hints kind of in the in the history of the of the trivia segments here. So I don't really feel bad about going to the hint well for this one. Okay, sounds good. Um and we should also note that it is two thirty AM for Aiden right now. And he's had a long day. So <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't expect him to operate at a hundred percent much like for a lot of the questions he's asked me i was not running it even 30 percent um but yeah so the hint is in one of the last few seasons of this player's career he went on a run to the stanley cup finals with a team and in that cup in that run of the finals he had one goal and eight assists for nine points in 24 games. That hint probably does nothing for you, does it? No, well, it no, it it, it does, really, because now I can now I'm sitting here just trying to think of the 2012 New Jersey Devils uh roster. So it, it does it does help in that sense. You're on to something. That was an extra hint I just gave you by accident because now you know it wasn't a Winnipeg Jets or or Carolina Hurricanes Cup run. Well, if he ended his career in 12-13 and you said his last few seasons, I'm assuming you're not talking about Carolina's 06 Cup run. Yeah. And so exactly. between Jersey, Winnipeg, that would have been the only one it could have been. So yeah, yeah we've, we've narrowed it down to that at least. Yeah, I've got one. Who is it? Alexei Ponikarovsky. Bang! There you go. What got you there? I saw I saw you have the little aha moment. Uh, the, the listeners don't have the benefit of seeing it, but I saw no, you. No, have- uh, it was just me running through names, right? And um, what, what helps me is the is the, like the memorable moments from that run. And <laughs> genuinely, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it was for me. It was you, you think of the Jersey run. You think of Adam Henrique. 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 Yeah. He had two series winning overtime goals. First one was in the first round game seven against Florida. The second one was game six against the Rangers. That game six one against the Rangers. Chaos in front of the net, in front of Henrik Lundqvist's net. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk and Adam Henrique poking away at the puck. And it was Alexi Ponikarovsky that had put the puck on net initially to both spark the scramble in front and then had been involved in poking the puck through Lundqvist that got Henrique to put it in. So it was specifically my recollection of that goal. Um, I do remember him when I kind of started watching hockey. I remember him as an LA King as well. So check that box. I knew he was a Leaf too. I didn't quite remember Pittsburgh, but... A um, long time Leaf. I didn't realize. Yeah. No, yeah. So uh, I didn't quite remember the Penguins, but it checked every other box. And the the 2012 hint, uh, that, that, uh, that gave me a boost as well. Do you think you could have got it without that one? Um, I yes, not tonight, man. I, I would <laughs> I would not have committed the time right now to to, to be me sitting at here. Seven a.m. Friday morning and been like, it's hundred percent. Yeah, if you had not given it to me, I genuinely think it would have just hit me tomorrow, and I would have been really upset about it. Uh, all right, well, we're going on to our third player, and um, this is a fun one. I honestly think this is easier than the last one. Just because, yeah, yeah, it just is. I'm not going to spoil it at all. Um, Okay, so this player played from the 99-2000 season 
up to the 16-17 season. His career went Montreal Canadiens, Dallas Stars, Washington Capitals, Phoenix Coyotes, Nashville Predators. For me, when I see those teams, I know who it is immediately. Mike Ribeiro. How sick was Mike Ribeiro when he was on his game? I I I could appreciate his skill. I was never a huge fan of his. Like I just something about his so, something about his play kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I don't know what it was. I, you know, he he he, yeah, something about him I wasn't a huge fan of, but. Yeah, I, I always respected the the output. I remember, you know, obviously I remember him in Montreal. I remember him in Dallas. I remember that shootout goal he scored, kind of pulling the puck between his legs and then one handing it in. That was a that was a sweet shootout goal. Um, I remember him in Washington because I remember he scored. It was one of those years that Washington was definitely supposed to win their second round series, and he scored like a huge goal in Game Five in overtime or something against the Rangers to win them that game to like put them up three two in a series that they ultimately lost in seven, which happened. Yeah, that was one times. of the two points in that series. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a. Re- I remember the goal. It's like a rebound in front that he just kind of swept in, and yeah. So yeah, no, Ribeiro. Um, James, I don't. Ha- I I I don't think I've given that to you on the podcast, but I definitely it definitely crossed my mind to to use that one on you, and I must just not have have done it. <laughs> so it's it's it, it was it was a little bit easier for me just because that is. That I, I think that is one of the players I had considered giving you and then just picked somebody else instead at one point. <laughs> if I hear Montreal, Dallas, Washington, I know who it is right away. Yeah, I, I, I had it. I did have it there as well. <laughs> okay, so one crazy thing about Mike Ribeiro looking at his career stats, his second year in junior, he had just been drafted second round of Montreal, 45th overall, second year in junior for the Rune Naranda Huskies. 69 games played. Nice. 67 goals, 100 assists for 167 points. What is that? What the hell is that? That's gross. Like, could you imagine being a defenseman and having Mike Ribeiro come in on you that year? Ugh. Yeah, and and it's 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 always hard to kind of like to sometimes judge players like later in junior, but that was still only the year after his draft year. So he's still a relatively young player. Like you see sometimes 20 year olds putting up crazy numbers in junior, but he was still only 18 when he did that, which even oh, in, is more his, impressive. in his draft year, he uh, played 67 games uh, and had 125 points. Yeah. Which is, which is impressive enough already. And it, yeah. Ended up being a second round pick by Montreal that year. And, and Yeah. Great you're, looking at, you're looking at it now, aren't you? I just pulled it up. Yeah. Yeah. 69, 67. Gross. Round. He has no gross kidding. junior numbers. Oh. All right. Well, on that note, we uh we are a little bit deep into this one. About our normal runtime. About we're 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 getting close to that hour and a half mark. That's uh that's pretty standard for us. Um yeah, a couple final thoughts after we played a couple games there. Um, some NHL teams are heading into their their hockey talk stuff this month, next month, stuff like that. Um, you know, mental health is a really big thing. I know we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but 
Uh, both Aiden and I are, are major mental health advocates. We both have our own experiences with stuff ourselves, with people around us. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, I just kind of want to, I didn't really tell Aiden I was going to say this. I mean, maybe he expected it, but um, yeah, you know, just if anything's going on in your life, just we live in a society nowadays where it's it's so encouraged and so okay to ask for help in comparison to like 20 years ago um if anything's going on speak up talk to people see what you can do you know uh only direction is up right there's uh sometimes there's a lot of obstacles to get up sometimes it's like a game of wipeout like that that game show sometimes you're just getting toasted left and right but you know there isn't up there always isn't up so you know that's my little spiel for hockey talks month uh we're hoping to maybe uh maybe who knows uh if we can uh organize an interview with someone maybe someone in the hockey world, in the sports world, something like that in general. Might not be a big name, might be a big name. Who knows? We'll try and figure something out. And uh, yeah, if anything, um, thank you for listening. Hope you're doing well. And uh, yeah, any any thoughts on that, Aiden? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think uh, a mental health interview in around the world of hockey is something we definitely want to do, you know, like, Mental health in general is obviously something that you mentioned already. The the access to it, uh, the access to, to to mental health support is is improving, and like you said, the resources that are out there now are are more than have ever been out there before. Um, well, what I will say is is hockey is kind of catching up in that. I've I've found in my experience, but yeah, I, I it's still you know this is episode eleven, um, maybe. Maybe if maybe if we've been doing this a little bit longer, we would have done a little bit of a bigger thing around hockey talks this month. Honestly, um, it's something that's important to both of us. But yeah, I guess the, the parting thought of you know, reach out if you need it and and support the support the mental health services around you if needed as well is is a good is a good is a good uh, good piece to close on. Definitely couldn't have said it better myself, man. And uh, without further ado, thank you for listening. Let's roll that outro. Cheers, guys.